we've been uh, thinking about what it means to be the family of God. And this morning I want to look at a passage in the 18th chapter of Matthew. Now, it's possible that this will sound like I'm repeating myself, because I do that quite a bit. I really only have one sermon. Jesus has finished everything, so you can relax. That's my sermon. Jesus has done it all. Not that it was easy. It was the hardest thing ever done by anyone in the whole history of humanity. But it is finished. So the scripture says, He is not ashamed to call me brother, our Lord Jesus Christ, my hero. He is not ashamed to call me brother, to call you brother or sister. And we found that we can march into the throne of grace boldly crying Abba, not crying like like Isaiah did. Isaiah, you know, he had the vision of heaven. He had the vision of the angels around the throne of God and the smoke in the temple of the heavenly temple and the angels crying out, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah's response was to break down in terror. But our Savior Jesus Christ has absorbed all the terror. And so we can just march in there like we own the place. We can sit down on the sofa. We can pretend this is our office and our Heavenly Father is welcoming and embracing and enjoys our prayer that need not fear Him at all. Now that doesn't keep Him from being a fearful being. He is Almighty God, the Creator of all things, the most magnificent and wonderful thing that can be possibly imagined, and we can't even imagine him. Have you had that experience of being next to something awesome? You can have that experience by standing on a tall mountain, (laughs) or by a big canyon, or by a mighty waterfall or next to the ocean. You see, God has made the universe around us to exhibit this feature of his own character, which is, it is great and mighty and beyond our imagination. And that's who it is we're dealing with. But he is not ashamed to call me brother, to call me son, to call me child. It's the most amazing thing. Have you ever wondered who's the best? 
who's the best. Now, we're in church, so if I ask who's the best, we all say Jesus. I, I understand. But uh, you know how we care about like world records in sports? Have you noticed that we care about this? You probably care about this. You probably know who holds the word world record in some sport or another, whatever your favorite sport is. You like, the, you like to know who the greatest is in that. Or maybe in business, in your particular line of work, or who's the greatest, uh, who's the greatest personality in history? You know, in, in, a, in American history, we, we think of certain presidents as the greatest. Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, these great, great men. You know, when they were president, nobody thought they were so great. But now we know. In, in American culture, we tend to make holidays after great men. We have a Martin Luther King Jr. holiday now. Because we regard him as a great person. Well... Back when Jesus was around, people had that question too. And so, we read in Matthew chapter 18, the very first verse, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is greatest? Who's the greatest? Now they were, uh, you know, spiritual men, so they asked this question in a spiritual fashion. They said, we don't want to just ask, you know, who's the greatest runner or who's the greatest pole vaulter or, you know, blah, blah, blah. They said, they said, well, we want to focus on the important things. So we're going to ask Jesus because if anyone knows, Jesus knows, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, that's a pretty good question, isn't it? Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because, you know, whoever is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the greatest. Period. I mean, if you're the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what else could possibly matter? Now, we are going to notice that this question, who's the greatest, had an effect on Jesus. The effect was, he was very much annoyed. He was irritated by this question. He thought, he had that, you know, how, how long do I have to be around you guys before you get any of this kind of attitude in his response to this question. But here, he answers it in a more gentle fashion than that. <coughs> Nevertheless, his irritation, I think, comes to be displayed. And we might ask the question, why is Jesus so annoyed by this obvious and important question, who's the greatest? Well, let's see if we can figure it out. So, <clears throat> it says in verse 2, he called a child to himself. <laughs> I, I'm sympathetic to this boy or girl, whoever he or she was, you know, just passing by, and Jesus says, hey, over here. He calls a child to himself and he sets him, so maybe it was a boy. But we might use him just anyway, probably a boy. So he puts this kid in the center of the circle. 
I don't know about you, but if I'm the kid, I'm kind of nervous. He puts this child before them, and he says, truly, I say to you. Now, this is the amen, amen. Like, okay, guys, pay attention. Here's something you can count on. In fact, it's something you need to know because you must rely on what I'm about to say. Truly, truly, or in the old King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. Unless you are, unless you turn, he says, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, he's answering the question. You, well, we'll come back to it. I just want to notice that the greatest is the humble. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. <laughs> when he says it would be better, he said that guy would prefer. He's saying uh, what, what that person is going to receive, he would prefer this over that. This, you know... Yeah. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come. But woe to the one by whom that temptation comes. He's saying, look, you know, people are going to be tempted. But here's something. You don't want to be the one who's the source of that. Well, let's get back to the beginning. Who's the greatest? And what's Jesus' answer? child a child he says you should be like a child to even notice he doesn't say to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven but to get into it you if you don't turn and become like a child you will not enter it let alone be the greatest and notice he's talking about you not who. They say who. He says you. He says, I know where this question is coming from. You're worried about how great you are in the kingdom of heaven. Who's the greatest? I'll tell you who's the greatest. The one who humbles himself like this child. A child. What is a child? What's the point? A child is a simply dependent loved one. I'll say that again. A simply dependent loved one. A child is one upon whom God has set his affection. And to turn and be a child is to simply recognize that is my position. Simple dependence. We have another word for that, faith. We have another word for that, trust. We have another word for that, 
well, a bunch of words. Look to God. Our word is Abba. That's a child's word. Abba. Grown men don't call their dad Abba. They call him father or dad. Daddy? The problem is we get a little too sophisticated, a little too dignified, a little too self-reliant. A child is a person who depends on his or her father. And they have a simple mindset about it. Jesus says, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom. You see, the kingdom is only open to children. <laughs> oh no, I'm almost 60 years old. What about me? The kingdom is only open to children. That's what Jesus says quite plainly here. Okay, well, as we've read from various places in Paul's writings, two different places, he says, God has imparted the spirit of adoption into our hearts, and that spirit cries out, Abba. That is the child spirit that Jesus is referring to here. That is the spirit that simply looks to God as providing father that doesn't try to provide for God, but lets God provide for him or for her. That recognizes the finished work of the cross of Christ, our older brother, the one who does it all before and for us. And so we come to God in simple trust. Those who cry out, Abba, are those who have turned and are like children. Those who rest from sophisticated striving. Striving to demonstrate their own righteousness or their own uh, worthiness. One way you could dis define what an adult is is a person who's worthy in his or her own right. And we are in a respect competition with each other in the adult world. We're in a respect competition that most children don't bother with. And we want to prove ourselves. And Jesus says, turn, 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 and become like little children. Otherwise, this kingdom is not for you. This is the tribe of the one little word, Abba. When we gather here, we are little children. We come together 
as little children, brothers and sisters, sometimes we fight like little children. Sometimes we don't appreciate what God's done for us, just like little children don't appreciate what their fathers do for them. We're, we're little children. We are not mature. And Christian maturity, real Christian maturity, can be described as growing childlikeness, growing trust, shrinking self-reliance. And so when we get together, I don't, I, there's no one in here I look down on. We look over at each other. We are hand-holding brothers and sisters. We are not competing. And this should be the place where we experience the unconditional acceptance of our Father. And we share it with each other. So that when we come to church, we come home. This is our family. Now, I don't know everyone here as well as I know some of us. I, you know, but this is the family. This is where I belong. Do you hear that? <laughs> this is where I belong. And so when I walk through this door, I'm home. And I can relax. I do not have to worry about whether I've got the right color shirt on or not, or the right kind of haircut, or you name all those dumb things we're all worried about, like who, you know, who did what, uh, did, and we come into Abba Father and we tell on each other, we say, Abba, do you know what Amato did this week? And guess who he's talking about? That's all good. Because guess what? You have not one time ever surprised your father. He knows your heart. He knows. That's the psalm we read last week. He knows. We're just grass. We don't know what we're doing. We are unwise. The Spirit has to intercede in our prayers to make them even intelligible before our wise God? Is it okay with you that I am a baby in Christ? And so are you. And we do not have to argue about who's sophisticated. The question, who's the greatest, is the annoying question to Jesus. Because he wants to say to you, I wish you would stop caring who's the greatest. Those who simply trust in God's love and grace in Christ, they're the great ones. Those who give up on self and look to him, they're the great ones. They're great by being not great. You hear it? They're great. By humble. The path up is down. (laughs) And does not our very Savior demonstrate this reality in his 
existence among us. As we read in the book of Philippians, he humbled himself. He gave up this position of greatness. He made himself like one of us, a slave. And then, once he was here, he kept on humbling himself until he came last. <laughs> Not just down near the bottom. Last. The very bottom. He was beneath us all. So when Jesus says, whoever humbles himself like this child, Jesus knows what he's talking about because Jesus did it. And Jesus lived in utter, simple dependence upon the Father. He died and it was entirely left out of his hands, the resurrection. Complete trust. Simple trust. Abba trust. Jesus exhibits it. He doesn't just talk about it. So I guess we now know the answer. He's the greatest. But do you notice when Jesus answers the question, who's the greatest, he doesn't say me even though that's true? He doesn't say me. He says, let me tell you about greatness. Greatness is downward from where you're standing. The problem, the reason you're not great is because you think too much about how you can become great instead of simply trusting the Father. Trusting the work of Christ. And so when you humble yourself, that literally means to become a person without status. To become a person without status. That's, what that's where children are, especially in the time of Jesus. Children have way more status now than they did then. It's like a non-person. No one noticed that boy till Jesus said, could you stand right here? I need to demonstrate something to these clowns. Jesus is irritated by the question. Jesus himself is the greatest. And the reason he's the greatest is because he was the most humble. Now he goes on. And this is really the reason why I picked this text for today. He says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Now I want to ask one such child, who's that? Who is that? Are you such a child? I hope so. I don't care how old you are. You might be 110 years old. I don't think anybody's that old here. But you need to be one such child. And then he says, whoever receives the person of simple trust in Abba God. Whoever receives that person, that's like receiving me. 
What's he telling us about being the family of God? We receive one another. On the basis of simple childhood, you're a child of God, I, so, so am I. This is awesome, isn't it? Look, a room full of God's children right here. Look around the room. These are all babies. How do you, how do you deal with a baby? Do you have any experience dealing with babies? I have only a tiny amount of experience dealing with babies. They're too fragile. I'm afraid of them. But you know, no matter what a baby looks like, they're not all cute. Oh, wait, that's not right. No, all babies are cute. Even the ugly babies are cute. How do I treat a baby? I receive it. I'm happy. You cannot come face to face with a baby and not smile. Assuming the baby's not like screaming its head off or something. And then you're like worried. But you take care of it. You bring it in. You welcome. All babies are welcome. There's no unwelcome babies. How do we receive one another like little children? How do you treat little children? You smile. You, you greet them. You shake their hand. You remember their name. How do we treat each other like little children? Now, the problem is we're all little children, so we're not very mature about this sometimes. Wow, this is getting confusing. So sometimes I, I don't treat you like the little child that you are before God. And I'm not very welcoming. And I don't always smile. And Sometimes I'm acting like a little child in the way that says, why aren't you taking care of me right this second? But that's who we are before God. The people he takes care of, the people he loves, the people he receives unconditionally, the people to whom he gives his affection, the people who have been chosen by him and adopted by him into his family. So I should realize that. He says, whoever causes any one of these little ones to sin. He's going to wish he hadn't done that. What's he mean? Who are these little ones? He's not just talking about children. I, I hope I've made that clear. He's talking about all of us who might be called a child of God. And he's, so what, what would qualify as causing one of us to sin? In this context, it's a very simple thing. It is leading someone to trust something other than God. All sin, by the way, is that at the base. All sin is looking to something other than God for provision. All of it. 
All sin is idolatry in one way or another. And so he's saying, look, what causes someone to... What he, what he means when he says, if you cause someone to sin, he means if you cause someone with simple, uh, true-hearted faith toward God in Christ by the Spirit, if you take that person and you distract them from that and cause them to pay attention to something else, something which by comparison can't possibly matter, you are demoting that person. You are harming that person. If I say something that causes you to turn away from Christ, that is the worst thing I could do to you. And so Jesus says, that is the horrible thing. He's not talking about whether... Uh, you know, somebody steals something or all of that is the result of this. Turning away from trust in Christ to anything else. Losing the heart that cries out, Abba. Oh my goodness. If we become sophisticated Christians in such a way that we lose Abba, Oh, that's like the saddest thing I can think of. That would be horrible. If you can't come into this room and relax with your family, that's horrible. If we can't come into this room and together look to God, rest in Christ enjoy the fellowship of the family like it's a weekly feast, then that is horrible. Whoever receives such a child receives me. I want us to be, in a certain respect, very simple-minded in faith in Christ. Now, you can develop all the theology you want. I'm, you know, I love to study theology. But if I study theology and in the process I lose Abba, I'm losing. That's simp- of course, you can study theology and go deeper and deeper and deeper into Abba if you do it that way. If I look at you and I become demanding and I say, look, you sinner, you need to shape up before God or you, can't, you don't belong here. I don't belong here. Because there's nothing but children in here. There's nothing but sinners in here. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you're not lost, then you don't belong here. If you are lost without Christ, that's who's here. This is the club of those people. This is the tribe of Abba. Not the tribe of, let's see what I can do. It's a simple, 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 simple thing. We are always overcomplicating it. However complicated it gets in your mind, at the end of that, use the one little word. Use the one little word. That's why Martin Luther wrote the song, Look, although this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us.
We tremble not for him. One little word shall fell him. And the word is Abba. When we turn to God in simple faith, Satan is utterly defeated. When I am a child before God, Satan cannot have me. It's that simple. Jesus did the hard work. I rest in him. Father, we give you thanks. (laughs) Lord, we know that's all we really can do is give you thanks. We praise you. Lord, we we do uh, want to come out of our troubles and come into the light of the cross of Christ. Just rest. Lord, I pray that you would make this church a fellowship of people who extend that rest, who uh, are relaxed with each other, who just enjoy the meal together, who can talk about anything and everything, and we don't have to worry because we are safe in Christ. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.